Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp. I'm here with Blake Alderman, and we are here to discuss the Florida-Kentucky game. Florida obviously pulling out a very tight 29-21 win over the weekend. Uh, we apologize a little bit for being a day late. You know, we usually like to shoot these on Sunday night, but because of travel, uh, it's a little difficult. So I think for most road games, we'll probably end up dropping this podcast on Monday morning, um, unless we can make it happen otherwise. Um, but it's just hard a little bit to be able to rewatch the game uh, when we're busy traveling back and forth. So anyway, Blake, I guess first off, I wanted to uh, get your take on the Kentucky game. What were your reactions? You know, I, it was a very close game, obviously, but Florida in the end was able to pull it out. What did you come away thinking about this game? You know, you called it. I had a little bit of a you know more decisive win for Florida. You you kind of predicted whenever we put our predictions piece out for uh, on Swamp twenty four seven on on Friday, kind of previewing the game. Um, you said that it'd be kind of a close, grittier game, and you know that's exactly what it was. And I think that. You know, there's always the term whenever you talk about conference opponents and whatnot that there's always a team that plays you close. That you know, that's always been kind of the case. Um, you know, kind of growing up, at least for me, it's always kind of seemed like Vanderbilt has been that team for Florida. I know there's been a lot of decisive wins, but there has been somewhere. You know, they have some close games, and you kind of don't expect it. Now, I think that this is kind of shifting more towards Kentucky being that you know that really close game, regardless of record, regardless of ranking and whatnot. So I, I think that this is kind of turning into a little bit more of a bigger rivalry. Um, than some of these other SEC games. You know, 10 years ago, Tennessee was kind of Florida's big SEC East rival. Obviously, Georgia is still there and still a big rival. But, you know, Kentucky, I think it's uh, commendable what Stoops has done with this program. Um, you know, I kind of expect it to be a little bit more of a decisive win with them losing a lot of pieces from that 10-win season. But, you know, they were still a pretty good ball team considering that, you know, not a rank, not ranked, um, you know, and hadn't really played anyone. And I was kind of bullish on them kind of heading into it. And, you know, they were a little bit better than I expected, especially coming out with uh, Sawyer Smith uh, making that big start for them in his first game. And I thought he was pretty impressive as well. Yeah, I think there's definitely some truth to that. You know, Mark Stoops has obviously done a really good job at Kentucky. I think for me, when you look at that game, and, and one of the reasons I kind of predicted it to be close is because we haven't seen Florida really come out yet and just be clicking off the bat this season, and really, really under Dan Mullen altogether. You know, Florida hasn't had many games where they get out of the gate and they're just, you know, ahead of the other team from the beginning. And I thought if you, lead, you, know, you kind of let Kentucky hang in that game for the first quarter or more, um, I thought that was going to be a unit that kind of has some confidence based on what they've been able to do with Mark Stoops. And you saw that. And I think one of the biggest things for Florida, and I'm sure we'll get more into this kind of after the break, um, but right now Florida's very one-dimensional. The Gators can't run the football against good teams. Um, and frankly, they didn't even run it that well against UT Martin until they just kind of started to wear on them. Um, so I think the biggest issue when you when you have a one-dimensional team, really what you're doing is you're putting it all in that other dimension. And so Florida not being able to run the ball really, I think, put a lot of pressure on the passing game and on Felipe Franks. And I'm just not sure yet that Felipe Franks had gotten to that level where he's able to really, really make you pay and sort of open up the, you know, the running game via the pass. And that was kind of one of the things I pointed out in our preview that I thought Florida was going to have to do. You know, I, I just didn't see Florida being able to run the ball with ease against that Kentucky front seven. And sure enough, that's what happened. I think the difference was Felipe Franks. He wasn't terrible in the game, he, he, you know, and actually I thought he made some pretty good throws, but he's just not quite to that level yet, you know, where you can expect him to go out there and if a defense is setting up to take away the run, all of a sudden you're picking them apart with the pass. 
Yeah, I agree with that. You know, there were some throws where um, or kind of early in the game, the first interception for Franks was the one that really kind of stuck out to me is where he had, you know, pretty good time back there. You know, there was pretty good protection. And, you know, he was just trying to make something um, that maybe wasn't there quite when he made the throw. I know that kind of off the line, Jefferson was, you know, open there kind of as the play started. But as he kind of moved around back there and tried to, you know, obviously he should have thrown that ball away. And I think that he was kind of trying to, like you said, put that dimension kind of on his shoulders and try to make something there. And obviously it didn't go well. And that kind of set Kentucky up and got them that interception. And, um, you know, kind of started, you know, like you said, kind of keeping them in the game. You know, you, you get some inter- you get some turnovers like that. It, it gives you some confidence. And I think that that kind of not only got the Kentucky team uh, motivated, but it also seemed like the crowd got a little bit louder after that one. Yeah, no doubt. And, uh, you know, obviously we're going to talk a lot about the quarterbacks. You know, Felipe Franks sounds like his season is most likely over. And so Florida will be shifting over to Kyle Trask. But I think in terms of reaction from the fan base, um, I think people were maybe a little bit upset. And I, I'm obviously generalizing here. We we probably are more exposed to some of the extreme reactions just being on on Swamp 24-7 constantly. And, you know, the, the, the people that are on message boards tend to be a little bit more vocal um a little bit more reactionary i think than maybe the 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 rest of the fan base um but my impression i thought of of kind of watching the reaction in the fan base and even on twitter and some of these other you know some of these other places i think was that i think people had the expectation that miami was very good and that you know you were going to have some typical first game rust in that game um and then so i think you get into the ut martin game and you started you started to convince yourself a little bit maybe that you look at the 45-0 scoreline in that game. You know, things didn't necessarily happen right away in terms of being able to run the ball quickly and, and kind of the offense operating smoothly. But overall, Florida did seem to have cleaned things up somewhat in that UT Martin game. And so I think a lot of fans were coming in expecting, okay, you know, we're 2-0. We're on the right track. And Dan Mullen, you know, Felipe Franks has been a little bit better. Now we're going to get back to, you know, being Florida and we're going to blow out Kentucky. And I think, like you said, combination of two things. I think Kentucky's a lot better now than, you know, they were in the 90s when Spurrier was blowing them out every year. Or, you know, even when, you know, Tim Tebow had some, had some good games against them. I, I just think you're not going to necessarily see that kind of result against Kentucky. I mean, four of the last five years have been one score games, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but then I also think you saw... You know, Florida probably has some legitimate issues that we need to talk about at this point. You know, the O-line, say what you will about them, but they're not where they need to be right now. And I think we saw some of that. And so I think there was some overreaction maybe a little bit. Um, at the end of the day, Florida's 3-0, and but at the same time, there are some legitimate issues. Now you talk about losing Felipe Franks. Um, you know, I, I think, Blake, I think the the kind of thinking in the fan base is, okay, where do we go from here? Like, do you know... What, what what do we make of this team now that we're with Kyle Trask at quarterback? Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that's just more of fans not really understanding the, you know, you don't know the unknowns. Here they are. Um, you know, you've lost Kadarius Tony, You've lost C.J. Henderson. Maybe not for a long time, but still, you, you know, you're without him and you don't know if he'll be available this weekend. You know, you have didn't have Jabari Zuniga in the game for most of the game. You know, there's there's a lot of pieces of Florida that are banged up. And I know Mullen said right after the, the Kentucky game that, you know, Florida needs to get healthy. You know, this is a time where they're really going to need it. Um, they're heading into kind of the bulk of their, their schedule. You know, I know that Tennessee isn't, you know, quite the, the opponent that they usually are. Um, you know, coming off that, you know, they're sitting at one and two and then you have Townsend after that. So, you know, I think this is kind of the time where you really do want to get healthy. And I think that that's kind of the thing that fans are wanting to see is, you know, how long are these guys going to be out? When do you get these pieces back? Just because there's a lot of unknowns. And, you know, obviously with those guys, Florida is a better team. 
Blake, I'm going to ask you this question um, because, we're, like I said, we're fully expecting Felipe Franks to be out for the season. And uh, I think for the most part, my expectation at least is that Kyle Trask is probably, quote unquote, the starter going forward. Um, I do think that they'll get Emory Jones in there quite a bit. But I think if you're looking at a starter, um, I, I think it's going to be Kyle Trask. So I'm going to ask you the question I think a lot of fans are going to ask us and, and really just kind of have in general. Can Florida be better with Kyle Trask starting at quarterback? You know, I don't think so. You know, I don't think they'll be better, but I don't think they're going to, you know, I don't think, you know, the world is, is falling apart. You know, I think that, you know, Felipe has a little bit more of a dynamic arm. Um, you know, he might take some more chances. And I thought that with Kyle Trask, they were, I don't want to say they played it safe, but to an extent they kind of did. You know, there were a lot of easy throws. They made sure to kind of, not make him win the game, but just make him kind of move the chains. And I think that Florida's not going to go out. They're not going to throw all over the place. Um, obviously, when you have your backup quarterback and you're already looking kind of one-dimensional with you know the run game struggling, I don't know that they're going to be better. I think that, uh, you know, but I don't think that it's, you know, to the point where I expect many more losses on Florida's schedule. I think for the most part, I'm still kind of on board with where I had been seeing Florida, you know, obviously the SEC East, you know, there's obviously some quarterbacks that are already hurt. So, you know, that, that division is looking pretty banged up right now. So, you know, I don't, I don't know that it really changes my complete outlook, but I do think that, uh, I don't know that they're going to be better with him. See, I, I'm, I'm not sure where I fall on this question. I think, I think part of what makes fans eager to see what Trask can do is I think that you saw a little bit quicker decision-making from Trask. Now, again, the the question is, like you said, he saw soft coverage. I mean, Kentucky clearly, there was a very clear shift in the way they played defense. Once he came on, they went a lot more to some zone coverage, played a little bit soft, tried to keep everything in front of them. And part of that is knowing they had the lead and that, you know, they, they could simply, you know, force Trask to make plays, if you will. And I thought Trask did a good job of that. Sure. You know, he was really able to find the open guy. I think the question mark becomes, you know, if Florida, like you said, you know, can't find a way to become more two-dimensional on offense, eventually people are going to find out what Trash struggles with. And I think Kentucky right. probably just didn't have a clear idea, you know, what are the things that he maybe is not as good at. And so I thought they kind of played into Trash's strengths to some degrees because he is pretty good going through a progression and finding an open guy. Right. I think the the, the bigger problem for him is when you muddy things up and you're bringing pressure um, – the, the thing I've seen from him in practice over the last couple of years is when you do do that and he gets a little bit flustered, so to speak, he's still just as decisive in terms of getting rid of the ball, but a lot of times he'll throw it into a look where there's coverage. And I thought you even saw that some in that, that the one throw against UT Martin he had that went right to a UT Martin defender. Um, it was just kind of a panicked look and he got rid of the ball rather than you know making a smart play. So I think that's something that we're going to find out over time. Um, I do think there's potential benefit you know, to trash quick, quick decision making. But I think Florida's coaches through whatever it was, 16 starts, I think, for Felipe Franks at this point that they had seen, they'd been able to identify what he did well and didn't do well in games and coach him around those things. And that's part of the reason I think you saw Franks playing safer with the football, but also maybe missing some throws like the, you know, you mentioned the one to Van Jefferson where if he throws it quicker, uh, maybe that's a touchdown. I think they had coached him kind of around those things. And so that the, the the drawback to that was maybe he missed some things that were open, but he played safe. For Florida with Trask now, I think that it's going to take the coaches a couple games maybe to figure out, you know, how do we work around his strengths and weaknesses. And so I think I think to make any sort of judgment one way or the other on Franks or Trask right now and whether or not they can be better, I think it's going to be way premature, for me at least. 
Yeah, and you know, and I don't think that it's going to be necessarily Trask's fault. You know, to where I say that, you know, I don't know that they're going to be better. I just think that it's the fact of right now is that they are one dimensional. The run game doesn't seem to be doing him any favors. But I will say you are right. You know, the fact that he is, I think the play that really stuck out to me was his decision making was kind of. That, that first touchdown where they're getting down there and he just kind of flips it right out there to, you know, uh, to P. Ryan to get that touchdown. You know, I don't know that that's something that I, I could see Felipe Franks doing. You know, I don't know that his awareness was quite there. And that's the one thing that I think Trask does bring to the table is he's a little bit more aware with, you know, where he's out on the field. Obviously, if you have someone rushing down, going to sack you, um, he has made the errant throws and he does kind of rush things. But that's football. You know, I think that that's, you know, something that any quarterback could do whenever you have someone that's, you know, coming to, you know, sack you and, and kind of put you down in the dirt. You know, it's kind of one of those things. And that's one where you kind of have these games against Tennessee. Obviously, it's a it's a conference game, and you can't take them lightly. But you know they're obviously struggling. You have Townsend after that, so I think this is kind of a good chance for the coaching staff to kind of see what what they can get from Trask because you know you haven't really thrown him in a lot of game action. Um, the the times that he has been in games, you know, he has been able to make some plays. So I think now it's just kind of getting you know a little bit more a body of work for him to kind of see where you're at. And I think this is a really good point in the schedule to where Florida can do that. Obviously, you don't want this to happen when you know, you're know you getting ready to play Auburn, LSU, you know, the big bulk of your schedule. This is kind of some time for him to get his feet wet um, in some game action. You know, obviously, you know, getting out in there and playing the game is a lot better than going out and, and what you work in practice. Yeah, there's no doubt. Like you said, you never want your starting quarterback to go down. But if you're looking at it, this is an ideal. Right. If there's a silver lining. Sure. Yeah, there's this is this is a really good two games to be able to see what you have. I think the one thing you're really hoping is that, you know, Tennessee doesn't come out and put something on tape that he really struggles with um, because you'd rather get to the Auburn game, you know, without somebody having kind of the blueprint for how to beat Kyle Trask. Um, but I think, you know, I think there's some things he does well. Like I said, I think the quick decision making. The other thing I think that Trask does well that I, I really I thought hindered Felipe Franks a lot was I think he just naturally has a feel for the pocket a little bit better than Franks. You know, I mentioned it especially after the Miami game where a lot of times Felipe Franks had a, a perfectly clean pocket and ended up scrambling out and things developed where if he would have stayed in the pocket, he would have probably seen a certain read. But because he took off to his left or right, he cut off half of the field and wasn't able to get to that read. I think Trask, you know, even in the limited snaps we saw against Kentucky, the couple times he did get some pressure, I thought he moved very well within the pocket and was able to make some things happen. So I'm curious to see particularly against some different defenses that can bring some different looks, whether or not that holds up. Um, but obviously, Blake, this is a topic we'll be talking about quite a bit going forward. You know, I, I'm sure that will be the focus of today's press conference with Dan Mullen and talking to players. You know, what can we expect from Kyle Trask? What can he bring to the table? Um, but like I said, I think there's a lot of other issues that Florida has to focus on. And I think coming out of that Kentucky game, I think a lot of them felt more real to Florida fans probably then after, you know, a sloppy opener against Miami and, and you were hoping maybe some of those things got cleaned up. So, Blake, after this uh, this quick break, let's go ahead and get into some of those issues again. I know we've talked about them a bunch, um, but now that we're three games in, I feel like we have a bigger sample size and we can kind of discuss where Florida really needs to take some strides forward based on that Kentucky game right after this break, guys. OK, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. We are discussing Florida's game against Kentucky. Obviously, Florida lost starting quarterback Felipe Franks. But Blake and I wanted to kind of get into some of the other issues because quarterback is far from the only issue that Florida has right now. The Gators are 3-0. That's the good news. The bad news is I think now that we've seen two games against quality opponents in Miami and Kentucky, I think it's safe to say that Florida has a bit of an issue in its run game. Um, Blake, I guess right now, if you're looking at it, what is the biggest problem with the run game and why has it not really been able to get going yet? You know, I think it's just this unit. It, it just it's it's going to continue to gel, but also I just think that they really do struggle getting that push. You know, they they struggle against some of these big time defensive line. Um, you know, obviously we had talked about how there was some improvement against UT Martin, but still, you know, playing against Miami, they struggled. Um, coming out against Kentucky, they obviously struggled, and you know they're not going to see easier defensive fronts for the season. You know, Auburn has a good one, LSU has a good one. Obviously, George always puts a good defense on paper. Um, so you know, I think that it's kind of a it's something that we're, you know, we talk about it week one. Uh, it's just rusty. Talk about it week two. Well, you know, they, they kind of got things together, but it's the opponent. Now I think it's starting to be kind of become a little bit more of an alarming problem because now I, I think teams are kind of figuring out that, you know, if you can stop Florida's, if you can stop Florida's run, they're going to have to throw. Um, they're going to have to maybe make some things happen. And, you know, when a, with a backup quarterback, you know, I, I think at that point, that's where you start to not really kind of understand what could happen going forward. So I think at this point, you know, it's not going to get any easier for them. And I think that it, it's it's not only is it them not being able to get pushed to, but there's, you know, some of these sloppy penalties. Um, you know, DeLance getting a holding call. I think it was against a defensive back um, on a Felipe Franks rushing touchdown. You know, just sloppy things like that that just need to be corrected. And, and whenever you're struggling to run the ball, penalties really don't help you either. It's, it's a really good way to shoot yourself in the foot. And I think that that didn't help them either in the Kentucky game. Yeah, well, I think the biggest thing, like you said, is um... – you know, as teams start to realize that Florida struggles in the run game, I think you're going to see more and more teams adjusting and, and really not necessarily focusing on stopping the run. I thought Miami kept a lot of guys in the box for the most part um, and, and kind of dared Felipe Franks to beat him with his arm. I didn't think Kentucky did that as much, and Florida still wasn't able to run the ball. Um, I thought, you know, especially late in the game, you know, when Trask was in there, I thought Kentucky really tried to sit back a little bit more and realized, hey, we don't necessarily have to do anything special to stop the run because Florida can't execute very well. And as you get into these teams that have better, you know, defenses, you know, you talk about Auburn's defensive front. If Florida doesn't get things cleaned up, Auburn's going to be able to sit there with their front four and really drop as many guys as they want in a coverage and I think still be able to make Florida one-dimensional. So that's the major issue. I do think, I think there's some truth to, to the fact that Florida's coaches probably also expected a little bit quicker improvement. You know, we heard Dan Mullen say after the UT Martin game that one of the things they were frustrated with was that the offensive line wasn't able to pick up some of the in-game adjustments they were making quicker. I thought this was the first game where Dan Mullen, I think at halftime, noted that, you know, they had the same guy make two mistakes on plays that would have been key, you know, referring to John DeLance and kind of the holding penalty he mentioned. Um, 
we saw in the second half, Florida, Florida made some personnel changes on the offensive line. So I think at this point, I think even the coaches for Florida are starting to realize, um, yeah, they, they've got some problems up front. And, right, you know, whether or not they trust the guys that are second team right now, it might be time to start trying them and just seeing, you know, which guys can maybe get in there and suddenly it's different in a game. Or, you know, they get these game reps and they see, hey, okay, okay, that's something we can work with. It's a little bit of a different skill set. Maybe we can mix and match depending on what we're trying to do or against the opponent. Um, but I, I think Florida is starting to realize that it does have these issues. And I thought for the first time on Saturday, I thought, you know, we might start to see some other guys on the offensive line. Yeah, and you know, and I think, too, that obviously it's – it's obvious that the offensive line is struggling to get some push and open up the running lanes too. But I think where you could able where you were able to see Florida kind of turn the corner last year was that they also had Jordan Scarlett too, who was really good at kind of breaking those tackles, getting into the second uh, you know second level, and kind of making something out of nothing at times. Um, obviously, Florida's offensive line has taken a step back, but I also think too that Pirine just isn't really kind of getting those broken tackles. He's not really kind of pushing things. Um, you know, so I think to an extent there is some blame to put on Pirine too. Obviously, when you don't have the running lanes there, it's a lot to put on your running back. But when you have a senior like that who is expected to have the big year, I just don't think he's really kind of putting that same body of work that Scarlett put together. And I also think that that is kind of magnifying things with their offensive line. Yeah, well, I think part of that is just skill set. You know, you know, even when Piran was running really well, you know, as a as a sophomore and a junior, I think. It, for the most part, his runs came from being patient and being able to find creases and, and ride behind blockers well. And so I think, you know, if you know that's your strength, he's kind of playing it that way and waiting for things to open up. And a lot of times they're just not opening up. Um, and I, I think the more you see that, you know, you get two games in and you, you haven't been able to get in a rhythm, you've been patient. Um, I, I think sometimes that can work against you in some ways. You know, you, you start to question yourself or whether or not you should, you know, be a little bit more patient or decisive. I thought the one play where they had on the throwback screen where Stone Forsyth is out in front of him, I thought Pirine kind of made the wrong play there. You know, he kind of tried to get a little more aggressive going to the sideline when I thought if he, if he had been a little more patient on that one, he might have been able to slip it up for a big gain. So I think I think there's a little bit of uh, lost confidence from Pirine in a sense. Um, I'm, I'm sure, like, you know, that's like a subconscious thing. I'm sure he's not, like, uh, you know, outwardly would be willing to admit that he's not confident. But I think when you're running behind a line that's not generating much, that can happen. One thing I'd say, Blake, and maybe this is where you were going with that, is I, I think Pirine's skill set is maybe the least likely to be beneficial for, for the run game specifically. Obviously, he does a ton of things well. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's their best pass protector. But I think Florida needs to start getting Damian Pierce some more touches. You know, He's the one guy that I think really kind of sticks his foot in the ground and gets upfield. I think you saw that on Saturday when he came in, his first touch. It wasn't necessarily a big hole or anything, but he was able to break it for eight yards. I think, uh, you know, if you're Florida and you're looking at these issues, I think he's a guy you probably try to get in there a little more, no? Yeah, no, I, I definitely think so. Only having two carries in the game. I, I think that that's – we're at the point now in the season where if you're going to try changing some things up on the offensive line, moving some guys around, I think it's time to maybe throw some other guys in there and get some more carries just to see what happens. You know, at this point – it doesn't hurt to try and see what happens. I think Damian Pierce is a fine running back. He obviously, you know, had a lot of shining spots as a freshman. So I think getting him some more carries, I think it's time to to maybe see what happens there and, and see if he does bring a change of pace. Because like you said, he does hit the hole really hard. And I think that that's kind of a chance where you're going to see him maybe break some tackles. And that could even give Florida's offensive line a little bit more confidence too. Because I think at this point, when week after week, you kind of look at them like mm, they need a lot of things to work on. I think that mm -hmm. that that kind of hurts some confidence too. And I think maybe switching some things up, 
getting someone who can maybe even make them look a little bit better obviously can help their confidence too. Well, I would say Emory Jones is another guy that can do that. I mean, Absolutely. you know, I, I understand the reluctance necessarily to get him in there for some of those packages because you're trying to get Felipe Franks in his zone early on. Well, now you don't have Franks. So um, I think in a lot of ways, uh, I think you're going to see more Emory Jones somewhat by necessity, but also I think it's going to help because I think if you get those packages in there with Jones, not only can it A, help the running game, but B, I think it gives you a chance in between series to maybe talk to Trask and, and kind of point out things to him that defense are doing from the sideline. Uh, you know, so I think we're going to, I think, I, I really do think we're going to see a mix and match of those two. I think it'll allow Florida's coaches to coach Trask up within games. And I also think it'll allow them to kind of get Emory Jones in there to get some different looks, get him some, some reps, some confidence in case anything, God forbid happens to Trask. Um, but I think it'll also allow Florida's coaches to kind of coach things up. Blake, let's, let's shift over a little bit to the defensive side of the ball. What were some of your takeaways, I guess, from how the defense played against Kentucky? You know, I thought that their secondary, um, Sawyer-Smith, had some time to kind of pick apart. And I think that that was, you know, obviously maybe, you know, missing C.J. Henderson, I think, hurt. But I also think Marco Wilson continues to kind of struggle this season. You know, and I think and that was kind of obvious there in the game. I know he was, you know, he had a tall task and, you know, who he was guarding in the game. So, you know, obviously there's that. But, I, you know, he just hasn't been quite the same player that, you know, I expected him to be. You know, I expected him, him and C.J. to kind of come out and, and really be big-time players. And I thought he started to struggle in that Miami game, and I thought he struggled again. Um, but I think maybe the more glaring issue was, you know, whenever you don't have Jabari Zuniga out there for Florida, I didn't really see very much pass rush or uh, excuse me, pass rush out there. Um, you know, it was kind of, it, it seemed like Florida really took a step back there, and that you know allowed Sawyer Smith even more so to kind of pick Florida apart in the secondary that they had, you know, had some bumps already. Yeah, well, I think obviously you know Zuniga is probably their number one or number two pass rusher. You know, John Greenard, Greenard is obviously a very good player. Um, yeah, I'm with you on Wilson. I think um, I'm, I'm not sure what the deal is with him, if it's confidence, just getting, you know, shaking off the rust still or what. You know, like you said, obviously a tough matchup there. I think, um, you know, the touchdown, again, he's in pretty good, you know, position there, and a guy just makes a heck of a play. I know there was a later one where he kind of, you know, had a chance at an interception after he broke on a ball, and the receiver kind of got his hand on his face mask and kind of, you know, blocked his vision. Um uh, so I don't I don't necessarily think he's far off, but that you know that to me the bigger concern is the tackling. You know he still had some where he kind of lunged at tackles, and and there was one specifically that went for a first down. Um, but but I, you know he's not the only issue. You know the good news is I think Sean Davis continues to show that he can be relied on. I thought Brad Stewart had a really good game. You know obviously came up with the the fumble recovery early in the game, and then had another stop on a play that probably would have gone for a touchdown after it got to the second level if he hadn't been there to stick his nose in there and make a tackle. Um, I think Trey Dean for me has been a little disappointing. Um, not that, not that he's necessarily had a ton of blown coverages or anything. There was only really one that I noticed on Saturday, but he just hasn't been the difference maker that Chauncey Gardner Johnson was. And obviously, you know, it, that's hard to replace. Chauncey was very, very good last year. Um, but I think Dean needs to, uh, continue to kind of assert himself overall. I think Florida secondary, like you said, without CJ Henderson, um, and the way Marco Wilson's playing right now, I think it's just a good secondary. I think when you have, you know, C.J. Henderson back there and now that you've got Brad Stewart back, you definitely have the potential to be a great secondary. But hopefully for Florida, they can get him back soon. I thought the other thing that stuck out to me from a defensive standpoint was David Reese. You yeah, know, we talked about him. We talked about him going into the game, you know, how, you know, Florida might have won that game against Kentucky last year if he was available. I would say on the flip side, Florida probably doesn't win this game if it doesn't have David Reese this year. Yeah, he's he's definitely was looking more like a liability in coverage, but that that's kind of been 
that's been him. You know, I think everyone expects that. You know, he's a little bit slower in coverage, you know, and I think that Kentucky was able to kind of pick on him in that game. Obviously, he made a lot of plays in the run game. He's really great there, but I think in the passing game, Florida Florida's linebackers really did struggle getting back there in pass coverage. Yeah, but I, I mean, I, I would I look at it more from a positive end. I mean, you, you talk about David Reese in particular, 16 tackles. I believe that was a career high. Sure. Um, he was time and time again filling the gaps. There was one straight series where, you know, big third down stop, big fourth down stop. Um, I think he is what he is. You know, we, we talk about the pass coverage struggles all the time. I didn't think he was quite as bad in coverage as as it probably seemed. There was one play where he was in man coverage on a guy. It was a, it was a disguised blitz uh, where Ventrell Miller was actually over the slot guy, and David Reese is on the other side of the field. Um, and if you watch the play, Ventrell Miller blitzes, and Reese is supposed to get to the other side to play man coverage on the backer. There's no way that's ever going to work. Um, and so they, you know, Kentucky threw at it right away, and it ends up looking like it's on Reese. Um, but really, that's poor play design, and I think Florida is going to have to figure out ways to work around that a little bit more. Um, once teams identify their man coverage and they know they've got Reese singled up, yeah, they're going to go at it. It's the um, go-to. But I, I thought he was, you know, just phenomenal in terms of stepping in in the run game and really stopping some things, kind of setting the tone, especially in the second half. Um, and that was something Florida really needed. But yeah. Blake, I guess we've talked about the injuries quite a bit. You know, Zaniga is obviously one. It doesn't seem like it's going to be a major issue. We'll probably find out more today. Um, I want to ask you: Has the 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 outlook for the season changed now that you've seen Florida against two quality teams, and you've seen you know they don't have Felipe Franks anymore? For you, do, does anything really change, or is it more the same? It's pretty much the same for me. You know, heading into the season, I I did predict Florida to lose to Georgia. I predicted them to lose to LSU. I think for me now, the only change really is that Auburn game kind of comes a little bit more of a push. You know, whenever you have Florida's offensive line that is struggling. And like you said, Auburn has a phenomenal defensive line. If not one of the best they play this season, it's it's up there. It's absolutely up there. Um, and at this point, with the way their offensive line is struggling, you know, Auburn can really, like you said, rush for and kind of sit back there and kind of let make Trask uh, win the game for them and, and kind of make them throw. And I think that that's going to be a game where Florida is, if, if they don't get that push, they don't start figuring something out in the run game or trying something else. I think they're going to be one dimensional in that game. And I think it's going to be, you know, a little bit more of a struggle for them. So I think, no, I don't think overall the outlook doesn't change. You know, I think they can still absolutely win South Carolina. Um, they're obviously lost a, a their starting quarterback as well. Um, so, you know, I, no, I, I don't know that the, the complete body changes, but, you know, I, I think the Auburn game becomes a little bit more cloudy for me. I would say that I think my outlook has dimmed a little bit. And the reason sure. for that, I think, is because I, I feel like I had a pretty good pulse on the depth of the team and some of, you know, some of the areas where there were going to be some depth concerns. And I think the reason that my outlook is probably a little bit more negative now than it was when the season began is because some of those spots are the spots Florida's got some injuries. You know, C.J. Henderson is banged up. Um, you know, Brad Stewart's been in and out of the lineup, not due to injury, but obviously due to off-the-field issues. Um, you know, Jabari Zaniga, if that's an injury that lingers, I think that's one of your two key players that you can't that afford to lose bad. in the front that seven. Um, you know, and then obviously Felipe Franks, that's, that's a big one because now I think you're kind of – you got these three games in and you, you know some things in terms of the offensive line and where some of the weaknesses are, but all of a sudden now you don't necessarily have a good grasp on your personnel and, and how the offense is going to operate as coaches. And so I think in some ways you almost hit reset on the season um, where you're having to work through all those things again. The other thing is I think, you know, Florida's coaches said it after UT Martin, 
their line is just not picking up the adjustments quite as quickly as you'd hoped. And now that we're starting to see the fact that I think they're they're going to look more at personnel changes. Um, again, whenever you get new personnel in there, it takes you time to learn it. Um, so my concerns, I think, are one opposing teams getting tape on Kyle Trask and and finding out ways to shut him down. And two, I think you know at this point, I expected Florida's O line to start to be developing more rather than necessarily cementing uh, you know the question mark that is the run game. And so I think that combination of things, I think for me, you know, I, I had picked Florida to go ten and two. I, I think I would probably, actually, I think I picked Florida to go nine and three, um, like kind of overall. But I don't know. I picked them to lose LSU and Georgia for sure. I'm I'm fairly confident at this point that there will probably be another loss in there. Um, right. I'm not sure whether it's to Auburn or Missouri, um, but it'll be interesting. You know, I mean, like you said, do we got we got these two weeks for Florida to figure out what it's got in Kyle Trask, what it's got in Emory Jones. You know, maybe Mary Jones ends up being the spark plug they need to get the run game going and they figure ways to work that. I just think now, you know, three weeks in, I think there are more questions maybe than even you started the season with now that you've got Felipe Franks out. So it's going to be really interesting to watch Florida going forward. You know, I I don't know, Blake, if you have any thoughts to add, but um, I'm really curious today to see what Dan Mullen has to say, to see what these players have to say. I think one thing you would hope is, you know, being 3-0, you would expect – or you would hope, you know, if, if I told you before the season that Florida was going to be three and zero, you'd 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 think, okay, Florida's been on the road. They've you know they beat Miami at a neutral site. This should be a team that's gaining confidence. Right now, I'm not sure that you can say that based on all the question marks that remain. Absolutely, and I think that a lot of that has to do with injuries because, you know, Florida's a different team when you have those guys. So I think a lot of the question marks and um, that you have is, you know, the big ones are are these guys going to be available to play this weekend? And I know obviously Franks isn't going to be ready, and I don't believe Tony is going to be ready. I think he's going to be a couple weeks, but I think for Florida, it kind of helps you build this confidence that you know you, you to an extent you you've let the air out of the balloon. You know, you lose your you know not only your starting quarterback, but a guy who seems to kind of gel the team together. You know, I know almost the entire team was out there whenever he was getting carted off. So I mean, he was you know he's a pulse of this team. So I think that getting some of those guys back can kind of replace maybe that big loss. Um, for someone who's a leader that seems like a leader like Felipe Franks that's you know been kind of a, a polarizing piece of the team. So I, I think if you get those guys back, you get Jabari Zaniga back, you can get C.J. Henderson back, I think it kind of helps your confidence a bit. And, you know, these two games, you can kind of let Florida get some things figured out, and it's going to be big for them. I think that these two, these two games are, are kind of big to, like you said, hitting reset, and this is a chance to kind of start off on the right foot as you've kind of figured things out as you go forward. Well, it's definitely going to be interesting to watch. That's uh, that's no question. I mean, I think everybody's ready to see if Kyle Trask can start to build on, you know, obviously a very, very positive second half on Saturday. Um, but we'll be back later in the week, guys. We're going to talk to Dan Mullen. We're going to talk to Todd Grantham, John Hevesy, get all their thoughts on how, you know, some of these personnel changes impact things. Um, and we'll be back to preview the Tennessee game later this week. 